Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for Episode 9 of the Talking Llamas Podcast. In this week's episode, we discuss some of the food we're looking forward to for the Halloween season at the Disneyland Resort, and then we take a journey into one of our favorite Disney films, The Emperor's New Groove. All of that coming up next on the Talking Llamas Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome back to the TLP. I'm your host, Robert Camozzi, joined by Thomas Nelson, as always. Hello there. So, we are going to get into the Halloween food coming to Disneyland, or, or just arriving, actually, of the day of this recording. And as well as, you know, the Emperor's New Groove, I did want to do a bit of housekeeping first. Thomas, you recently put a blog post up on the website. That's right. Do you want to tell people briefly what that's about? Right, so I wrote this week about... Um, taking a solo trip to Disneyland and sort of how you can maybe remove the mental blocks that you might have in terms of making it a good time. And uh, yeah, so there are a couple recommendations in there of things to do, but really it's it's telling you you don't have to do any one thing or it's going to just be different from what you've done in the past. So trips you would expect to have with your friends or family, it's not going to be that trip, but it's still going to be a really good time and it's up to you to make it a good time. When I've told people in the past that we you know, our mutual friends or whatever that you've done that, they're always kind of surprised or like just wondering how you manage that and how that can possibly be fun. But I mean, to me, it's not really possible, not that it's not possible for me, but anytime I go, I always have someone to go with, whether it's, uh, you know, Michaela or Peyton or you or, or my family members. So, but I, I could totally see the benefit in doing that. So, and you have some experience in it. So you're, you know, qualified. Right. And so when I, what I meant when I said it's up to you to create a fun time for yourself, it's really like you have a blank canvas in front of you for your trip because there are no limitations in terms of having to wait for people or be somewhere at a certain time. You really have a lot of freedom and that's what you get to explore. Yeah. So you can find that at the, uh, is it, it's talkinglamaspodcast.com? That's correct. Yeah. So you can find it at talkinglamaspodcast.com as well as some other some other blogs that we've had on there, um, you know, from the past. But go and, ahead and... Well, yeah, and our, our goal is to have about two blogs per month. Yeah. And the we'll, first and third Thursday of every month. Yeah. So we'll, we will... Right now, that's our schedule. So we'll stick to that as much as we can. Yep. So the other thing, and this came out today, is, well, as of this recording today, September 6th, the Halloween season at Disneyland has begun. So, you know, that means a lot of things, and... We'll probably talk about all those things on a later episode, but we did want to talk about sort of what we look forward to most for a lot of our trips, which is the food. And the foodie guide, you can now find at the Disney Parks blog. It came out way later than usual. It didn't come out to the day of everything. Yeah, the day of. And there was a weird scramble kind of on Instagram of uh, that I was kind of following along with like these food these food pages were like looking at the menus on the Disneyland website and the Disneyland app to figure out what the foods were going to be, but you don't have any images. So it's hard to say what those things are. And anyways, luckily they came out with a a foodie guide this morning and we, we kind of wanted to talk about some of the things that we're looking forward to. It's really strange that it took them so long to release it. 
we looked last year and it was like August from like from last year's in 2018. It was like what was it August 20th or 16th or something like that. Yeah, it was a few weeks before the Halloween season began. Yeah, so I mean, it's odd that they waited so long. Um, I don't know if that was intentional. I, for the Disney World one, they did it the day before, if I'm not mistaken. Did they? Didn't they do it the day before it started? Yeah, the day before. But I think they did that last year as well. Um, but I guess there's really not a whole lot of need for them to uh, release these, you know, weeks ahead of time. It does help the people going in that first week of the Halloween season. Yeah, if they need reservations at table service restaurants. But other than that, a lot of the food at Disneyland in particular is quick service or snacks. Well, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it did build anticipation. Um, but it, whatever, like you said, the planning, it makes it difficult. The thing about Disneyland as opposed to Disney World is Disneyland's food is offered. There's a lot more food like just during normal operating hours, whereas as far as I can tell, Disney World's is, is much more party, like their party is where they oh, do Oh, and most. you mean Halloween-inspired food Yeah, is available more just on every day w- without having to be at the party. Exactly. So when you go to the parks, there's a ton of options. Like, we're kind of going over it today. I, I was talking with you and, and, and with Michaela about it because we're going in October, trying to figure out what ones we want to get, and it's like, it's going to be tough to do it all. It really is. So Well, I, we're not going to do it all, frankly. What we want to do. You know, um, luckily I have the, the ability to share with someone, so that should help. But we'll just go over it quickly. I mean, w- to get this out of the way, we made we basically scheduled a trip when we discovered that the the mummy peanut butter and jelly donut would be returning to Schmoozies. When, when we figured out that that was probably happening, th- I mean, that's not the sole reason we're going, but that really inspired us to make that decision. Well, that's what made me, I think I contacted you, or you could, you told me about the donut. I sent you the picture. And then I, I made reference to a potential trip, and you didn't back down. So I think we just made the trip because, frankly, that donut is so good. And, and I did mention that in episode number one, if you recall, as, you, a, as a favorite snack. Yeah. Well, what, what you said was, you know, I'm not opposed to taking a one-day trip down there just for that. And then I, yeah. I said something like, don't tempt me. And then once we get... Once one of us suggests a trip and the other person doesn't say no, it pretty much is happening. Like it just eventually, like we'll say, oh, that wouldn't it be funny if we went then and we end up doing it. So anyways, we're going down there in large part because of that. So, you know, that's, I think we can say that that's what we're both most excited for. It's basically a a donut. It's real big. I think most people would have to share this, Um, but it's, it's like a mummy. It's got like candy eyes on it. And then it's purple. It's like the bar style, right? It's uh, yeah, and it's thick. Yeah, and then it's loaded with peanut butter, and oh, there's a lot of peanut butter in there and jelly. Um, so, I don't know what kind of peanut butter it is. I've never had peanut butter that tasted like that or looked like it. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I enjoy it, but it's it's unusual. <laughs> Have you ever made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich where you've toasted the bread and then immediately put peanut butter on it? Yeah, but even this doesn't even look like that to me. Well, that's what the consistency is like to me. No. Well, it depends on the type of peanut butter. The kind that I have is usually all natural now. When I was a kid, maybe it was a different kind with different oils in it, so the consistency was different. But I would the, imagine this one just, in the in the donut, it's just Skippy or Jif. I'll pay closer attention this year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, anyways, we were both looking most forward to that. Uh, so I would recommend it. Anyone who's going and likes peanut butter and jelly things, just keep in mind that, in all likelihood, if you're, uh, you know 
of a normal appetite, you'll probably have to share it with somebody else. Um, so that that's one thing. Now, is there anything else in particular? I have some items, but is there anything that kind of struck you that you're looking forward to trying? As something new or revisiting or what? Well, we can do a revisit. Uh, I mean, there's things here that we Let's run through some revisits. Okay, so my, my most anticipated revisit is at the Golden Horseshoe, they have a churro sundae, which seems like it'd be simple, but it has this, and you may recall this, like, I think it's like cookie butter or something in the, both in the sundae and in the churros, like in the middle of the churro, like almost injected in there. And it's great. It's oh, really, it was really phenomenal. Good. Yeah. So it's, so it, I agree with you there on the foodie guide. It's described as, um, cookie dough, ice cream garnished with a churro, cajeta and whipped cream. C-A-J-E-T-A. Yeah. So that's that's great. So we're going to be getting... I mean, that's something I'm definitely getting. Uh, and what other, other things are, are kind of repeats? That well, we, over in DCA, I'm looking forward to hopefully having the chance to try again the at Pacific Wharf Cafe, the bacon cheddar ale soup in a bread bowl. Yes. That's also... I, I remember you got... I got... We went there one time and I knew I liked the clam chowder, so I didn't stray from it because I didn't want to get something that I would like less. But then when you got the bacon cheddar ale soup, I was I instantly regretted it. I should have tried it because it was a seasonal item. Right. And at that location as well, they have uh, like a a bread pudding. I think it's like a pumpkin. Is it a pumpkin spice or is it a, let's see here. We're pulling it up. We've had this before, if you remember. Is it the same thing, the bread pudding? I'm not sure it's the exact same. Well, it's... Oh, this year it's maple bacon bread yes, pudding. Yes, bacon... Uh, yeah, maple bacon bread pudding. I don't remember there being bacon on it. No. It was some kind of some kind of nut. Bread pudding topped with whipped cream, maple glaze, and candied bacon. So I think we'll, we'll probably end up trying that. I went there and got an Oreo, like a, a cookies and cream bread pudding one time. It was pretty good. Um, not great, but pretty good. The bacon cheddar ale soup, if you're wondering, it's bacon, cheddar cheese, and ale soup served in a freshly baked sourdough bread bowl, which, you know, if you've been to Pacific Wharf, the, the bread bowl is no change, but, um, any other repeats that we've, we've done some, some of the things here, but they've gotten rid of some things too. Um, I know you like the, don't you like the cozy cone, like the slow burn in mac and cheese? I like all those cones from, uh, I don't know what cone number it is. But the one where you can eat the bread, it's either chili or mac and cheese usually. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been a huge fan, but I, I've, I'll i probably end up doing But it. that's going to be here this year. Yeah. Yeah, that's there. I was just wondering if... they've The things they've gotten rid of are like the bat wing sundae um, that I really enjoy. But I liked it too. Yeah, but you know, like you said, the last time we had it, it seemed... It was almost too rich. I, well, it comes with the cookie that... It's a, a bat wing shape. But it's it seems it's dipped in chocolate, right? It's a chocolate cookie dipped in chocolate. It's like a yeah, and it's like a really standard cookie. If and you, it's like frosted, I think, but with chocolate frosting, and then right. So you have that, and it's it, it's ice cream with this raspberry sauce over it. Is that right? Yes. And then there's so it's in a, a waffle bowl, a dipped waffle bowl, right, with sprinkles on it. So that's where you get too much chocolate with the the Batwing cookie. At least in my opinion, some people really love chocolate. Well, one time, this is, the Batwing Sunday. The, the cookie was good with the ice cream. We we got a cookie one time from either Disneyland or Disney World, and it was 
a Jack Skellington cookie that we bought from like the store and it just what like the store in like the Emporium or something or the candy shop. How did you refer to it? I was yeah. It, it I bit it when I got it home and bit into it, it was it was like biting into a frosted roof shingle. It was just not good. You know, I heard somebody else reference a cookie that they bought in Disneyland. I don't I don't know if it was that exact one, but they they had a similar description of it. Yeah. You know? It was just very like bland and like the second I got through the frosting, I was like, the cookie was just so substandard. But with the Batwing Sunday, it was good with the ice cream. If you ate them to, in unison, it was good. If you ate them separately, not so much. Right. They've replaced that this year with the Boogeyman Sunday, which is um, scoops of mint chocolate chip ice cream, hot fudge, chocolate cookie crumbles, and gummy candies in a chocolate-dipped waffle cone. So I'm pretty partial to mint ice cream, actually. So I'm, I'm kind of excited for that. I, it looks good to you, I think, too. Right, and this is a case where the picture is actually something that won me over. Yeah. If I had just read the description of it, I might get it, I might not, but it looks really good. And it looks like it comes in a dipped waffle bowl as well. Yeah, and, and returning to things that have actually come back, the um, caramel apple smoothie from Smoothies as well. I still haven't tried that. Oh, you should try it this time. It's pretty it, good. Isn't there a lot of apple in it, a lot of apple flavor? Or am I thinking of the, the churro? I don't, it's not super sour or anything. It tastes like applesauce. And then you, there's caramel in it. So, I don't mm, know. Okay. As far as new things, um, again, there's a mini witch shake, which is mint chocolate chip ice cream. Um, and then, like, you know, Oreos and things like that. That looks good. You were looking forward to a, a piece strummy sandwich, I right? was just about to say, yeah. it's uh, Well, it's actually, so it's at Award Wieners. And it's the rest in peace strummy fries and, and uh, hot dog. So... Uh, fill, the, the fries are film strip fries topped with thinly sliced pastrami, caramelized onions, pickles, and mustard sauce. And they, and that also comes in a hot dog version and they both look great to me. They come with this, like the bun that they're on. I particularly like, I don't know. It looks, it's not like a regular hot dog bun. I think, you know what? It, it actually looks like the regular hot dog bun that they use. Yes. Regular for them, not regular for out in the world. Exactly. I enjoy it. I so I, I think I'll be trying now those two in, in you know together, and then let's see with Disneyland. Well, I mean, if you want to go somewhere that has like a lot of like smaller treats that you can kind of you know get as a group and maybe share, it's the uh, it's the Jolly Holiday for sure. I mean, they've got a ton of snacks, a lot of repeats. Oh yeah, definitely repeats. But I mean, there's only so much you can do with like baked goods. I feel like so they kind of they kind of have to. Uh, do it that way. It's uh, you know. I re- you re- do you remember the sweet potato? What, was, what did they call it? Sweet hand potato. pie. Yeah, that one. Did you try it? Yeah, it was just okay. It's basically a. Pop I actually tart. liked it. It was it was a more of a subtle flavor than the really sugary items you get a lot mm. of times. Yeah, that's a good point. And it should be because sweet potatoes aren't even the sweetest of sweet potatoes. Yes, your standard, you know, orange inside. Yeah. I I think for me it's it's the. Uh, I, I, the pumpkin muffin subtle enough. I, I'll enjoy that. The mummy macaroon was good, if you recall. Oh yeah, uh, Mickey shaped. Yeah, yeah, that was good. And then last time we went, we didn't get to get to to get the chocolate coffee Yule log from the Plaza Inn. It just like disappeared before we got to go. So hopefully that remains. We're not going until late October, so I'm hoping it's still there when we go because that one is a chocolate sponge cake wrapped around coffee flavored chocolate buttercream. With chocolate crispy pearls, chocolate drizzle, and multicolored crispy pearls, so something I'm interested in trying. And then there's a bunch of just—I mean, there's a bunch of ice cream options. Um, there's a couple specialty pizza options that 
that we might check out. Uh, anything else in, in any more savory things? Because there's a lot of sweets, but I'm wondering if there's any savory things. Well, there was two things that came up looking here. One is at Galactic Grill. Oh, yes, and the fleet fries. The loaded fleet fries. Uh, so they're waffle fries with slow-cooked barbecue uh, pulled pork, uh, cheese, chipotle ranch, and cream cilantro coleslaw. So that looks pretty good to me. I might, might want to try that if we get the opportunity. I don't know that we will because we're only there for a couple days, and there's only so many meals that you can really fit into your body. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the way I think of it now. It's like, Even well, for we, us. Can really only, we can eat a lot at one meal, but we can only eat so many meals doing that. And then the other one was over at Harbor Galley. I don't know if you saw this one. I have it pulled up now. That actually looks good. Go yeah, on. you see the one? What, what, the ghost have, oh, yeah, the Mariners. Ghost Mariner seafood boil. Yeah, so that's got Cajun buttered shrimp, red potatoes, corn, and andouille sausage. Sounds pretty good to me. Might want to try that, too. That's definitely a more savory option. If you look up at the picture, and I know that, you know, listeners can't see this unless you've got the foodie guide pulled up, but if you scroll up above, above that, I think there's a picture of it in the bottom right-hand corner of that collage. So I think that's a look at it, if I'm not mistaken. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, I would think so. Looks good. Harbor Galley's good. I enjoy that that spot. So maybe that's a good one to try. Um, and then as far as sit-down restaurants, let's do a couple of those. So there's there's really only two, to me, um, that have anything that I would be interested in. Uh, the Cafe Orleans, let's see, has um, basically like, swan, they call them Sarah Sally Slater's Swamp Fries. Crawfish... Uh, I'm not going to pronounce that. <laughs> you picked the wrong one, man. Yeah. It's some French word that even I can't pronounce just looking at it. And, okay, so it's something to do with crawfish, and it's atop sweet potato fries with chorizo, clams, tomatoes, sweet corn, and green onion. I mean, that sounds unique, at least. That sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the Carnation Cafe has a crispy chicken sandwich as well. Spicy. Yeah, so that... I, I, wasn't this here last year? Perhaps. If it, it sounds was, very familiar to me. Yeah. So those are the two sit-down spots that have something unique and and different uh, for them. So, uh, and then anyone who's into coffee, there's a ton of coffee options. There's a there's a Frog's Breath, which is a reference to uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, so that that could be interesting. I haven't. I'm trying to pull up what it looks like or, or what's in it. Uh, but there, there's a, there's a lot of coffee options this year. I'm noticing there's actually specialty drinks at the Starbucks in on main street as well. The frog's breath, the, the frog's breath is uh, frozen lime and coconut cocktail with raspberry swirl and candy topping. That's actually not coffee, but it's at a gourmet coffee spot. Uh, there's a Dr. Facilier inspired drink at Starbucks and a, maleficent inspired drink at starbucks as well so if you're into like those starbucks drinks they have those for you too have you ever tried the mexican hot chocolate at rancho del zocalo yes the frozen one um i don't well it's hot so i don't know that that's (laughs) well i thought it was a frozen hot chocolate actually maybe i haven't i i think i've tried the frozen horchata i think i've oh maybe that's what everyone talks about every year well anyway they've got mexican hot chocolate this year they have a few items actually one that kind of stands out a little bit is the uh, quote the long forgotten dueling tacos mm. so that's two fry bread tacos with uh, fajita beef grilled fajita beef braised butter chicken and uh, that's served with rice mexican rice and uh, vegetables pickled, yeah. pickled vegetables no less 
Yeah, well, and you know they, they they've got a lot of fun names here too. They've got one called My Bugs, My Bugs. That's a limeade slush with grenade and gummy worms, and that's a reference Where's to that? Ever's new groove. That's at Hollywood Lounge. I'm just looking. Oh, at- oh, there's another one at, at Rancho del Zocalo. And it's called Frozen Abuelita Horchata. So mm. that's a layered frozen Mexican hot chocolate and a frozen horchata topped with spice whipped cream. Yeah, that's. So I think that's that. what you might be referring to. I've had that, and it's good. So. So yeah, I mean, oh, and anything that we've tried before that we haven't liked? Uh, I, I, Michaela's asking me about this today. The pumpkin beignets, pumpkin spice beignets are just fine. Like, again, I'd rather just have a regular beignets from downtown Disney at, at the Jazz Kitchen. Is there anything else that we've tried that has just been eh? Really? Um, I can't recall anything, but I do remember one thing, a snack that's not on this list that is there every every Halloween season that I enjoy. And that's the pumpkin spiced yogurt covered pretzels mm. in the shops. You've they, had those. Yes, but are those always at Disneyland or well, I guess they are, but you know We got them 3 years ago in Walt Disney World for the first or second time. And then I was just in Downtown Disney for D23 and I think I I did see some. So that yeah, they're at both parks definitely. Yeah. And, and you know what I had I had them last year when we went. Are they going to be at Disneyland or no? Judging by this, no. No, I'm saying I saw them in downtown Disney, which means they're very likely in... Oh, I see. Yeah, in, in, the da- in Disneyland. Yeah. yeah, we recommend those. They're... they're What we've usually done is bought them, brought them back to the hotel, and just, like, snacked on them throughout the trip. Yeah. That, those are good. And uh, and something we definitely recommend. They're at Disney World, too, this year, for sure. So, uh, yeah. So, and then there's... I mean, there's so many churros, again. That's kind of their thing, is they do all these churros there's the maleficent churro there's an apple pie churro which is like an apple churro with apple pie filling in it Mm -hmm. that i saw so they definitely i mean disneyland even more than disney world definitely goes all out on the food options for all the holidays or any time they're celebrating anything um but halloween in in especially they seem to just really go off and i i appreciate it even though we're probably not going to be able to try everything I do want to try the Hades dog, potentially. We're already having a different hot dog, so... That's a footlong. Footlong all-beef hot dog with harissa aioli, lemon-pickled cucumbers, oven-dried tomatoes, sautéed peppers, and feta. So, that's a maybe, but um, I feel like a lot of people will like to try that. Did so. you ever try the spider silk macaron sandwich? Yes. It was fine. Did you? No, I never tasted it. I, I saw you... Now that I actually asked you the question, I remember seeing you eat it, and it was messy. Well, you can see it by the picture. That's messy. Even in the picture, it looks like it would be a mess. I mean, it's, it's. Well, it's one of those things. It's like a cookie sandwich, basically, but it's more of a whoopie pie, right? Yeah. The problem with it is, is the cookie isn't hard. It's already like a soft. Well, yeah, and there's ice cream in the middle. So when you bite down on this thing, it just pushes the ice cream out to the yeah. side. The second the ice cream starts to melt, too, it's just a disaster. Honestly, I probably won't get it again. Not because it wasn't. Disaster is but... a little bit harsh. <laughs> <laughs> well, or maybe an over exaggeration. I don't know. You weren't. You, you clearly don't remember uh, correctly. Do you remember that time I got the three scoops of ice cream in, in Main Street? I get the well, Gibson for some girl? reason, I, I think maybe because the, the the hot fudge would have been... Okay, so I went in there and I asked for three scoops of ice cream. Which probably is a rare ask. In a, in a cup. And yeah, it's not, it's not very normal. But this year I was particularly um, indulgent in my cravings. So I asked for three scoops of some flavors of ice cream and then hot fudge. They didn't have a cup big enough, so they put the hot fudge at the bottom of the three to scoops keep of the ice hot cream. Fudge from spilling over the side, right. I assume. Now, the third scoop on the very top, was it was barely staying on there. It, it was staying on just fine, but to eat it was like you almost are going to push it off the top. 
couple that with the fact that the ice cream underneath was melting a little bit because yeah. of this hot fudge. And so then this whole thing was just this big... I was spilling all over Main Street. I had plenty of napkins. It didn't help. Here's a question. When would they have told you that's too many scoops? We can't do it. Oh, hmm. You mean if I went to four or five? Yeah. I think they would have given me two or three cups. I think at four, they would have said, we're going to have to put that in two cups. Is that okay? Yeah. You should have just got four, man. Nah. But it was a fun... It's one of those things that you you do and it turns into a fun story, fun experience. Was one of those things that's not fun at the time, but fun after. It was a little bit fun at the time. I do remember was, you being like, "Oh my god, this it was is kind a of a bummer because I was losing ice cream as we were walking, which is a precious commodity, as you all know." <laughs> but uh, the the uh, the fun part was that it was it's so ridiculous that it was funny, and I, I can I like to see those funny moments in my life. We were sitting on the curb too, and you were just like because it was getting all over your hands. You were like licking your hands. Well, I remember specifically walking past Jolly Holiday. And spilling too. So we probably went multiple multiple places while yeah. I was eating. It was three scoops after all. Well, I was probably done before you because I had a normal amount of scoops. So uh, anything else? I don't see anything else worth mentioning really. It's the same old stuff, but you can peruse it yourself. Just go on to the Disney Parks blog. There's photos. There's quite a few photos actually this year it seems like. And you can kind of piece together what you're most interested in. I'm looking at that, uh, that maple bacon bread pudding now, a picture of it, and it looks... Looks enticing. Yeah, it looks good. There's like a whole strip of bacon on there. I'm not sure if that's what they're actually going to do, but if so, it actually I'm looks here like the it. bacon is being thrown onto it, and they took the picture as it almost hit the plate. You know, like it just grazed the side of the the bread pudding. Yeah, the way it, that it looks. That's all I see. It does look well. It, uh, to me, it looks like somebody threw it at it and it landed that way. Yeah, but it's a garnish for sure. I think there's I think there's bacon inside of it too. Wow. This looks good. Maybe yeah, we but, should give it a try. You can split it with, or you can get, you can split it with Michaela. Give that a try. Yeah, I'll let you know how it is if you don't want it, but or if you want to try it after, maybe. Anyways, so we will uh, keep you posted. Uh, let us know what you think if you try any of them. But we're going to be there in October, so we'll be there late though, so we won't be able to help too much. Okay, so getting to our main topic today: Emperor's New Groove, one of our favorite movies. Uh, obviously, you know a. I mean, a big inspiration for our name. Is it course. a top three movie for you of Disney? Man, that's tough. It's definitely top five. Okay, so Lion King's my number one. Beauty and the Beast is my number two. Emperor's New Groove would probably... It's either Toy Story or Emperor's New Groove. It's tough, though. See, I wouldn't think that you would put Toy Story over... Or rather, Emperor's New Groove over Toy Story. Yeah. I don't think I would either. It's close. Wow. For me, it goes, I think it goes Toy Story, Emperor's New Groove, and then Hercules is my top five. Hmm, okay. Where does it fall for you? Well, number one, see, I, I like to put movies up at the top that are special to me that I like for, I like more than the others for some unknown reason to me, and that's The Sword and the Stone, and The Lion King, everyone loves that movie, but I'm one of the ones who loves it a lot, and so that's number two. Emperor's New Groove is probably number three or four, and I have no problem with it being number three. It's just, it's, I've watched it probably more times than any other film that Disney put out. It's hard to say for me because I, I watched it, a, a, I've watched it a lot, but as a kid, I watched Lion King so much that I have to have watched that like 200 times or like over the course of my life, like probably that many times. I don't know if I've come to that because when we were older, when we, or when Emperor's New Groove came out, we were older. So I wasn't at that age anymore where I watched movies like on repeat basically. But, uh, I think it's definitely, for me, the most underrated 
Disney movie. Now I will say it's it's started to get, get some steam. Uh, so maybe maybe it's moving out of there. How do you judge what's underrated, the most underrated? Even if it's not actually the most, like, why do you think that it's? I just one don't of the think more... it gets mentioned as people like people like it, but it's it doesn't get mentioned as people's favorite very often. But when I it doesn't get mentioned certainly with the classics, and then when I tell people that I really like the Emperor's New Groove, that it's one of my favorites, they'll one of two things happens. They either say, "Oh yeah, I I you know I always forget about that one, but I really like it." but I always forget about it. Or they're like, I haven't seen that one in a long time. I'm like, go watch it. And this was back when it was on Netflix, which it's it's not anymore. But I said, go home and watch it. And they'd watch it and they'd be like, oh my gosh, I forgot. I I watched it like once as a kid and I forgot how much I liked it. It's really good. It's funny. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where it is for me. It's like people don't, I actually think it's, it's a Disney movie that it's not more for adults, but you definitely, the appreciation from child to adult for me is like huge. It's just a big difference in how much I appreciate it as an adult as opposed to a child. Yeah. And the parts that you like for the adult, what, the adult humor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- those parts, I mean, you don't even have to understand it as a kid. Like, Kronk is one of the funnier characters, or Yzma, their relationship, a lot of it can be physically co- comedic. Well, and there's things that you don't pick up, and there's this in every Disney movie, but there's just things you don't pick up on as a as a kid that you pick up on as an adult. I mean, Kronk's whole thing is just... Uh, what do you mean by whole thing? His whole just... I mean, we've discussed this before, but he's like... He he's has, got a big chin. That's it, yeah. And that's no, but the he, thing. It's hilarious. Yeah, he has this crap. <laughs> he's like... What is it? He's, he's like a craftsman in a way. Like, he's really into, like... I don't know if art's the word, but he he's like this big. Oh well, yeah, guy, craftsmanship. Right? Yeah, like there's you know he's really so, into like putting on a good dinner. He and, right, so he's yeah he's crafting the perfect dinner for the occasion in the film. Yeah, and it's a big deal. For, even though he's, it's really just like a show, just so they can kill Cusco. Yeah, it's he's like really taking it seriously like yeah. this is his opportunity to shine and then when he becomes the chef like there's this brief like in the in the restaurant if you've seen the movie you know what i'm talking about where he's like asking the chef about something and the chef is just exacerbated because cusco was just you know railing him so he hands over the reins to uh pack- <laughs> first off the chef packs his suitcase and it's and stacked it, over his head <laughs> and it's full of pots and pans just and a normal like briefcase size yeah well it's and not, he just closes like, it. a suitcase yeah like he lives there yeah, and then he just why does you know, he have I, a I try and I try and then he just slams the thing. No one appreciates me. And then, and then, and then Croc, as he's, oh, he's, like, he's like, no, no, you don't have to. He's like, please, please don't go. <laughs> and then he, he slaps the 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 hat on him. And the woman, the woman, uh, I'm gonna the read waitress. It. I'm gonna yeah, the waitress is like this like older woman, like just kind of like what you'd expect like a, a waitress to look like um, in like a, a diner. Yeah, like a '50s diner. Yeah, she shows up and and so he's all flustered and confused because now he's the chef i guess and the waitress says she just comes up to the window she says three pork combos extra bacon on the side two chili cheese samplers a basket of liver and onion rings a catch of the day and a steak cut in the shape of a trout and then and then Kronk gives her this he's, he's like the whole time he's like oh no, no no you don't understand and then <laughs> and then once she finishes he gets this well, look she, on his face she says you got all that honey well, first he makes he has this look on his yeah, face yeah like at first he looks confused and scared and then when she finishes he like it's almost like something snaps in him and she's and then well the chef and him all of a sudden it's like they, she pressed a button yeah and then he's boom he's he's chef Kronk. yeah and when you see i didn't notice this as a kid but when you see that look on his face 
and then she, it, it cuts to her and she says, "You got all that, honey?" And he spits out three oinkers, were, three oinkers wearing pants, plate of hot air, basket of grandma's breakfast, and change the bowl to a gill. Got it. And he's just like, now he's cooking. <laughs> And just all into it, and, yeah. and then Isma comes in. By the way, I just wanted to take a quick second to admire the the way that animators communicate to us through through facial expressions. Like and that's we kind of what about. I'm saying is like I didn't pick up on that as a kid. Maybe I did, but I didn't. Not well, so much. Right, you don't pick it up. Pick up on it in the sense that you recognize what they're doing, but you do recognize what's happening. Yeah. And then Isma comes in, and she's like asking him to make her something and and he, she asked for like a substitution he's like i'm gonna have to charge you full price like he's now like all in on the show yeah. he, like he's been working there for 10 years he's been working there for 10 minutes so by just, the way why is the chef charging anybody <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know why he's a char chart why is he taking orders the whole thing so those little nuances of things those little facial expressions what i did this last time we watched it and this worked out because this was next on our list of and we've discussed this before. We're going to Disney World, so we're watching Disney movies to kind of get into it. This was next on our list. So we we watched it. When I watched it this time, I tried to watch the people who weren't talking when the like when dialogue was happening. happening. Right. So watch Kronk's face when Yzma's talking to him, and it's just so funny. You're like, any of them, really. You're watching, they're making these facial expressions, and there's that attention to detail of what faces they're making. Yeah. And there's, it's sort of like a faux pas in animation to do... Where uh, the, the kind of animation I don't I forget what they call it, but there is something that they call it where if you look at the people who aren't speaking or being focused on and they're just still, that's a wrong move. They're supposed to be yeah. doing something because people are always doing something, even if they're just blinking and maybe shifting a little bit, yeah. standing there while other people are speaking or something. Yeah. So the nuances and things like that that I've enjoyed. Now we we kind of got off on a tangent. This movie opened or it was released December 10th, 2000. So, um, it, you know, I think that was the year, right? So let me just make Is sure. that the millennium? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Chromanium. <laughs> it's actually funny because Seinfeld did influence the creation of Kronk. Well, I mean, the character is, is from the movie, so... Uh, is from that show, I should say. So, uh, or, or the, the voice actor. Well, yeah, uh, Patrick Warburton voiced Kronk. He, he was putty in seinfeld and so we watched uh, a sort of a 15th anniversary discussion panel yeah and so the people who created this film they they actually referenced one of them referenced oh this this character that somebody else was playing out in front of them and they were trying to figure out who was this going to be the guy said oh let's get patrick warb that's that's putty yeah let's get him and they had to show scenes from the scenes from that show from seinfeld to tell people what they were talking about yeah and when you i mean he is really perfect i mean it just is and you know, Patrick Warburton's done a lot of of things for Disney. He's like famously he's one of the robots in um in the queue for Star Tours. Star Tours. Yes. And he also welcomes us, I forget the position, but on California well, soaring over the world. Soaring over California, depending on Yeah. Right well, now it's I think that, that way in California. Yeah. But uh, over Soren on Soren before you you board, he he lets you know all the instructions and whatnot. And for me, enjoying Kronk so much over the years, whenever I'm in line and I, and I hear and see Patrick Warburton come up, I just get a smile on my face, and I, I'm happy for a different reason than that I, I'm writing Soren. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because this movie didn't start out. It turned into this, like, campy, really funny sort of sort of film. It's like a buddy comedy. Yeah, it's great. But it didn't start out that way. It started out as, as well, the, the original movie, movie title was uh, was Kingdom of the Sun. Yeah. Yeah, and it was more... I mean, it was a lot different. We watched this documentary on it that you can find on YouTube, 
And it just, the original story, you know, a lot of the, the, the characters were all still there for the most part. Kronk wasn't in the original version. No, they had, they still had Cusco. They had pa- something else. His, he was named Manka. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so still they had. Still voiced by David, David Spade. Spade. Yeah, and they had Yzma and still voiced by Eartha Kitt, and they had a character for Pacha. Now, the original story was more of a Prince and the Pauper situation mm-hmm. set within the Incan civilization. And um, so Pacha was the same age as Cusco. And they looked similar. Yeah, they looked similar. So that's, yeah. And then funny, fun fact, Robert, who voiced We saw Owen Wilson. And it was weird because we were watching, I was watching, we watched it separately, but I was watching the documentary and they, when they were showing sort of the voiceover acting for the original story, Owen Wilson is voicing Pacha. Now Pacha looks a lot different, and he looks more like Cusco. Like he—that's I just that's imagine Cusco yeah. looks like exactly the same. And it was—it was, it was kind of striking because it was like whoa. And they never like clarified. I mean, Owen Wilson. This was in 1997, so I don't know where Owen Wilson's career stood at that point. But it was startling to see him just doing voice acting and then being like, "Well, who is he voicing?" Because that's yeah. so much different than what Pacha ended up being, you know. And then Pacha ends up Pacha's. I think supposed to be the main character in this scenario. I mean, Owen, uh, Owen Wilson is voicing him. I'm not sure. So the basic story was, and part of it remained the same, was that this um, common man was teaching the arrogant man how to be a leader, right? So the Prince and the Pauper situation was that since they looked like Cusco and Pacha or Menka and Pacha, that it was going to be that uh, because Pacha was... I guess he had the better leadership skills. He was going to be the leader while Cusco or Menka could be out in the world living his whatever. And Pacha would pretend to be right. the Cusco character. Right. And so I guess in a way, Pacha was more of a main character. Well, and then he has a love interest later. Was that Pacha? Or yes. I, it was Pacha because the woman who he was supposed to fall in love with thought that he was Cusco and mm-hmm. was confused about why he was being so sweet and nice. Yeah. So they they have Sting on board, and he he makes like a bunch of in film, like sort of like an Elton John situation, maybe, uh, where he makes like in film songs, like the the songs the characters are singing are written by him, um, and you know he creates the opening song, the closing song, and then all the songs in the middle. So yeah, so they got they got him just to take it back a little bit. He was actually really excited and and, and enthusiastic to join for a Disney animated feature. Because of you know he 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 knew what Disney animated animated features were of the '90s and even before that with Walt Disney, and so Roger it was Roger Allers right correct he worked on Lion King directed Lion King he was coming off that you know writing so high. he had a reputation yeah and, he, and when he came to Sting and uh, presented Sting with this opportunity or at least spoke with him about the idea and potential opportunity Sting was on board and so yeah then he took more of an Elton John type role in songwriting for the film. When you have to imagine that, you know, if you're talking to the, the guy who's, in, you know, in large part responsible for Lion King, that person has some equity and is, you know, uh, you, you're respected. Yeah. And you're assuming it's going to go well. And, and you're thinking like, well, Elton John was such a big part of Lion King. I can be that for this movie. And it's funny because that movie did have a similar and a lot of the movies of the 90s, the Disney movies do have a similar like, you know, a love interest and, uh, you know, the 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 person leaves like Lion King is similar in that way the the ruler leaves and then comes back and uh, you know, has to go through all these these trials and tribulations before he returns so it 
you know, we don't see the original movie, but we hear it talked about, and it has a similar feel to The Lion King, I suppose. Well, that was actually one of the big concerns and why there was trouble with this film during production, was that it, it some of the higher-ups thought it sounded too much like what Disney had been doing. Yeah, they want something different. Yeah, and this, it, it, in case it wasn't obvious with the Sting situation, this was going to be a musical. Yeah, which if you've seen the movie, it, it very much is not. Right. And uh, and all the movies of the 90s were. I, I, I mean, for the most part, I can't think of one off the top of my head that was like this, where it's two songs not right. sung by the characters. That was really. Walt Disney animation. Yeah. Feature animation. And, I mean, you know, they, they end up shifting gears big time. And Sting, almost, it seemed like Sting was like almost out on, on the movie after this. Before we get to the switch over to Emperor's New Groove, Yzma was a different character, too. I forgot too. about that. That's why I wanted to She was more of a vain uh, woman who wanted, who she was getting old and wrinkly, but she wanted to be young again. Almost like the the mother, mother Gothel from, uh, from Tangled, in a way. She's trying mm. to like use magic to stay young. And so I don't know exactly how the plot would have worked out, but she had a song, which I actually, they, they play in the documentary and I actually yeah. enjoyed. And um, kind of a cool fact, and it's unfortunate it didn't, it didn't work out for him, but Andreas Deja was the supervising animator, I believe, over Yzma on the original story. Now, he, he worked on Jafar and Gast- <clears throat> sorry, Gaston and Scar. So he had a lot of experience with villains. Yeah, not female villains, which he says in the documentary. It was a new thing for him. He was very excited about the opportunity. Yeah. But uh, when things changed up, he actually decided that he wasn't really into the new character so much. And so he was going to work on something else. And that was sort of the nature of animation as an animator anyways, that projects are sort of always coming up. And so, yeah, if he was out, then that was it. So the heads of animation come to see sort of what they have. And and they basically have the film done in terms of the story and all that, and they're they're they have like storyboard reels basically uh, of what the film's going to be, and they showed it to the heads of animation, and basically they just said this needs to be completely redone. And they're I mean they're about to they have all the voices recorded uh, from what I could tell, they had the all they had to do was finish like the completed animation that the movie's going to be, and basically they have to start over. Yeah, they were. They wasn't saying they were, it needs to be completely redone. I don't think, but it was more like, you know, this isn't working here. This, I don't know. I'm not really connected to this character. There was enough of those concerns that it was basically like saying, well, maybe we should start over. And then they they eventually did have to start over, and we, and they still kept their release date of uh, the year 2000. Yeah, they had like a year and a half to come up with it, and uh, so then that's when they start. I mean, Cusco becomes the main character. They decide to, to concentrate on him as the main character. And I guess for the animators, it was a lot of like wondering if their character, because they're all working on basically singular characters, their character might get cut from the film. Uh, and then, you know, they're introducing new characters, and it's unclear if those characters are going to be permanent or how often they're going to be showing up in the, in the film. Um, but what we end up with is this sort of, you know, lighthearted... You know, it has the the whole, like, coming-of-age story where Cusco, you know, leaves the kingdom, goes through some some trials, and eventually, you know, he meets this, this, this guy who's, like, you know, a guide that helps him kind of grow up. And then, you know, when he returns, he's better for it. It has all of that, but it's much, you know, it's much more lighthearted. It's campy. Um, Yzma might be the most campy villain, and by that I mean, like... Yeah, what do you mean? 
Well, like just like silly. Um, like she's 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 got a she's a villain who doesn't really do anything bad. She tries, but it doesn't really work. And like, she's also like she's funny is not even the word I'm looking for. It's more like she's just a because she's very serious in herself. But she's the things she does and says are funny, and she and she's made fun of. She, yeah, like astonished. She, she's I got guess some her, sass to her. Well, and also like right at the beginning of the movie, like when she's introduced, Cusco's talking in his head, and he's like, "What is holding this woman together?" Yeah. And just like she's the butt of the joke the entire movie. Yeah. And that isn't the case for most villains. I would say the only other one that's like that to that extent might be Gaston, but I think it, she's even more so the butt of the whole, the butt of the joke for the whole film up until the very end. Um, well, at least with Gaston, he posed a real threat. Yeah. Even when Yzma tried, all she did was turn him into a llama, and there was a there was a, a potion to reverse that. You know. Yeah. So she would basically was like a bumbling villain. She didn't really. She was clumsy. When she's done in she, by, her. I mean, her sidekick is Kronk, and, and you know how he is. Well, so many, so many villains in the Disney universe are done in by their sidekicks. Probably none more than. I mean, how often do we see uh, a sidekick responsible for killing? Wait a minute. Who? What? What are some villains that are done in by their sidekicks? Okay. Well, Hades, for example, he instructs Pain and Panic to kill Hercules, and they just bungle that, and it comes back to bite them. Uh, much older, but Snow White is uh the the huntsman supposed to kill her and he doesn't do it he's, he's not so much her sidekick but she instructed him oh, to do vi- so. villain sidekick oh yes yeah, um, yeah okay the hyenas are supposed to kill simba they don't do it he comes back yeah just time and time again it's a common yeah. common theme um i'm sure there's more examples but those are the ones off the top of my head and so the point is 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 and Kronk is just the perfect it's funny because you know they talk about Kronk in this documentary and they say you know Isma and Kronk are the villains. I don't even look at Kronk as a villain. It's weird. I mean I guess he is. Not really. And that's the that's the beauty of these these villains. I'm putting air quotes in the air. Uh where else would you put them? But uh, they yeah, air quotes. they're not really they're not really scary villains that you take all that seriously. I mean Cusco did just fire her cuz she was Incomp- well, she and was she more was, trying to take over his job. And she's this frail old woman, and Kronk is basically in, in, incompetent Yeah, in, in, in his role as... Well, it's funny because he's actually really good at a lot of things. We're getting back on Kronk here, but he's, he's like good at a lot of stuff. But for whatever reason, he just bumbles around in this like disposing of a body and all that. He's not able to manage. He's great at hopscotch. Uh, oh no, that's uh, that's double uh, dutch. Double dutch. There you go. He's fantastic at that. He's fantastic <laughs> at most things. I mean, he has weak ankles, as you well know. But uh, that's yeah, why interpretive he, dance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, his so, ability to recognize different types of wood and this is hand carved mahogany. Yeah. So <laughs> break it down. What are he's you like, kidding break, me? Break it down. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. So uh, he just. Th- but that's one of those jokes, by the way, that you don't think about as a kid. And Robert didn't even understand I didn't why even it was understand funny for the longest time. Until well, just like last year. Story. She, she. They're locked in a closet, and Isma. Yeah, at, at Pacha's family home. Yeah, and Isma demands that Kronk break down a door, and and he's she's like, like <laughs> "Break it." No, break no. It what, down. what does she say to the? Well, first she says. Uh, Open the door, or I'll, and I'll burn your house to the ground. <laughs> and then she's, don't it, you mean or I'll burn your house to the ground? And she's like, or I'll burn your house to the ground. And well, which so, is it? It's yeah, pretty crucial, crucial conjunction. Yeah. Then she's like, oh, Kronk, break down the door. And Kronk's like, break it down. Are you kidding me? This is hand carved mahogany. mahogany. I thought he was saying that it would be really difficult to break down because it's mahogany. Oh, no. But then I realized that he 
he admired the craftsmanship yeah. so much. A detail that he somehow picked up in the house <laughs> and then that he refused to destroy it. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was pretty great. His He's so oblivious to things because when when eventually what does Isma do? She tries to she just bust her way out of well, the door, but they open it so he she yeah, just goes so she flying. just goes rolling down the mountain. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kronk is saying his goodbyes to the family and and suggesting further meetups at the next before the next reunion. Family reunion, which was Isma's Isma's cover. Yeah, and he's fallen for it himself. So it's just it's the point is is these two villains are. You know, they're not so much Kronk. I wouldn't say he's the butt of the joke because he usually comes out fine. It, but Yzma is certainly the butt of the joke, which is oh, uncommon. Yeah, I mean, maybe Hades, I guess, uh, is no, similar. No, no. is totally different, I think. And, and that's why she's not really all that much of a villain. Where does she stand on your favorite Disney villains in terms of just like how much you enjoy when they're on the screen? Well, I don't know. She She's one of those... That I really enjoy. I don't. I don't think about villains in terms of who do I enjoy seeing the most on the screen. I like them for different reasons. Scar has a different quality to him. I. Li- I mean, frankly, with Scar, if I'm being honest, I. I love hearing Jeremy Irons' voice. Well, and that's what I was gonna say. These voices, these voice actors, they get for the villains a lot of the times are pretty great. Like Jeremy Irons is great. Um, Eartha Kitt's great. Yes. Uh, James very, Woods. James Woods. Very good. So good. I don't know the woman who did Ursula, but she's incredible. Oh, we watched a video with her. Yeah, there's a little video on and YouTube of her doing some. Announce- she, she she does the the haunted mansion. Yeah, as Ursula. Herself. That's one video anyway, but uh, yeah, they, they do a great job finding voice talent. Gaston's was a little bit different. They had to have somebody who could sing really well. And who was like a, a like a, clearly a brawny, like yeah, that voice had to be almost like a, uh, well, and Jafar is pretty good too in his own right. I mean, he has some, he has a way of speaking that's interesting for the character and I think oh, it yeah, works. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah. So anyways, it, you know, and, and so she joins, you know, that group. And to me, I think she's way up there and underrated as a villain i just enjoy because in terms of like how i enjoy how much i enjoy watching her on the screen and and all the characters really they all have something that's just great about them you know uh yzma and kronk are probably my two favorites but you know the dynamic you've got kind of two storylines going on with the the yzma and kronk and then the the pacha and uh cusco dynamic and then they converge but i i think they're both really funny in their own right that whole river scene with uh, Pacha and Cusco where they're going over the waterfall. I remember that being in the trailer for the film. I was going to say... That was the one thing I took away from the trailer as a kid. Yeah. Bring it on. What about... Well, real quick, I want to clarify when I said that Yzma doesn't really do all that much bad. What I mean really is as a villain, you would expect that the villain is the source of the bad things that happen in the film. But there's not really anything bad that happens in the film. There's always a threat of it, but nothing really... Right? Nothing really bad happens... They're just sort yeah, of making their way and coming in with close calls, but... She's never successful. It's not like when... I guess being turned into a llama isn't great, but it's not like when Belle is, has to replace... She has to be imprisoned yeah. in place of her father. Like, that's that's a bad thing that needs to be overcome, you know? Well, I think the part of it is the direction they went with this film is to make it a, a funny film. And so it was more lighthearted so that it's more of a, like... Uh, it's more of a cart. The things that happen are more cartoonish. So the bad things aren't like real bad things. They're more like cartoon bad things, like someone getting hit on the head with a really big hammer or something. Like you know, they're not realistic. Yeah. So, uh, but, but I mean, you know, the movie opens with Sting. Sting does have his song right in the beginning, which we love. 
Um, Sung by Tom Jones. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. It's like a great song just to listen to. And even without the words. It's called Perfect World. Oh, it's so good. It's, and if you, li- particularly, we, we had it on a playlist one time when we went down to Disneyland and we listened to the lyrics and they're just so funny. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it, they're. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's uh, like something like, uh, he was born and raised to rule. No one's ever been this cool. Like just stuff like that. And it's, yeah. you know, it's clear. In, in, a, in a thousand years of aristocracy. That's yeah. the next, that's the next line. Yeah. And so. It's just really funny. And that whole montage of him, like it tells like these classic things in Disney where they do these montages over music and you were, it tells you everything you need to know about the character, right? So Cusco's go- going through the temple. He's, uh, He's walking, and as he's walking, he's going towards a wall, and all these people jump in front of him and create a, a massive door for him to walk through, like, before he gets there. Instead, of, So they erect a door just for him to go through in that moment. And then he's, like, he uh, swirls a chair around and sits in it, and then, like, they're feeding him, and then he's you know, on the chair kissing babies and, but instead he's like stamping them and with, with a like lip mark. And then he breaks a wine bottle over a ship all in his chair. So it tells you, you know, he's like used to this pampered lifestyle, you know, he's kind of arrogant, stuff like that. Tells you everything you need to know. And then he runs in. As if the lyrics couldn't tell you. (laughs) Yeah. But just watching it visually, you know, as a kid, you, you can pick up on that, you know, and then he runs into the old man, uh, and has him thrown out the window. Yeah. And that's like your... Because in the beginning, he... I'm sorry, but you've thrown off the Emperor's groove. Sorry. <laughs> I remember that from the trailer as well, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And so, anyways, the point being, it tells you everything you need to know, which is commonplace. And in the beginning of the movie, he's narrating as if he's a victim. And you, you find out very quickly that he's just living in a fantasy world. Um, and he is young. He, he's turning 18. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the, the idea. And, and so then, you know, Pacha comes in and, and helps the old man and, it, and you make it, it makes it very clear that Pacha is like a respectable, nice person and, the, and those Family two man. are going to converge. So he helps the old man and the old man does the classic, like, beware the groove. He's clearly scarred for life yeah. from being thrown out a window. And so, you know, they converge and it, it's this like dynamic between them you know, in the early parts of the film that, you know, Cusco's clearly vain and, and doesn't care about anyone else. And Potch is very, he's very nice. Even when one of the guards is really rude to him, he's like very like polite back. Mm-hmm. So it's, you get that dynamic of like, Cusco's really not likable and he's the main character. So they have to introduce this other force to kind of combine them. And balance so, it out a little bit. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting dynamic, and I think they did a good job with it. So I mean, moving on to I, I mean, what what would you say? And and we can kind of because we're not going to detail the whole movie, but w- what are some of your favorite scenes from this film? I know there's a lot, but like if most you, of them do involve Kronk, if I'm being yeah, honest. Be and we've clear. covered a couple of them. So the Mudka's Meat Hut scene, where they are, where he he turns into a chef. Um. One of my favorite parts of that, besides the, you know, change the bowl to a gill, mm-hmm. got it, uh, is when, what is, yeah, Pacha learns that Yzma and Kronk are there to capture Cusco and kill him and whatnot. And so then it, he has the idea, 
Pacha has the idea to say that it's it's her birthday to the the staff, and so they throw a little bit of a celebration to distract. Like you her. would at like any like a Chevy's or something. Yeah. And then Kronk comes out holding, isn't he holding like a, a pot in his he's left got, hand? He's with got a like a bowl that it? he's mixing and the hat like falls over his eyes. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. <laughs> yeah. 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 And actually for my birthday, you drew a little thing on the, we have a whiteboard in the kitchen for scheduling and stuff. And you just drew a little sketch real quick and it was hilarious because that's sort of an inside joke that we go to a lot. I can't bring myself to erase it because it's so, it's yeah. just so delightful. Yeah. That's a great scene. Mudka's Meat Hut's way up there. I, I don't know. I... I really like the dinner scene. Well, yeah, that was going to be my first choice, but I wanted to finish up and close out the uh, the Mudka's Meat Hut scene. The dinner scene's just great. Yeah, and that's when they're trying to... What are they trying to do with Cusco? They're trying to... Well, they're trying uh, to poison him. Well, yes, but what's the... the uh, they're pretending that, what, they're trying to save face a little bit? Because she did fire. She got, he, fired, she got and, fired, and she's trying to, like, smooth things over and, and you know... Right. And he's saying all these crazy things. Like, you you know that he's like, you. she's the bad guy and she's trying to poison him. But he's saying these crazy things, like, to her, you know, when he goes in, like, how she's no spring chicken. And he's like, let's yeah. face it, you're no spring and chicken. I, and I do mean a long time. Yeah, he's like, you've been with us a long time. Yeah. And I do mean a long time. He's just saying things like that over and, <laughs> and over again. And I mean that in the best possible way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and then there's this part where Croc mess, and just like, this is what we're talking about. Like, he messes up from the beginning, like, First of all, they get the poison, and let me just take a step back real quick. They go down into the basement, and the the filmmakers do a good job because her original plan is to turn him into a flea, a harmless little flea. Then I'll put him in a box, and I'll put that box in another box, and then I'll make that box to myself, and then I'll smash it with a hammer. So That's another one of those scenes I remember from being when I was a kid. Yeah, and the reason I think that's a good job is if she had just said she was going to poison Cusco from the beginning, aside from it being funny, you wouldn't have known that it, she had the possibility to turn him into an animal. And right. so later when he turns into an animal, you're like, oh, the potions got mixed up. So anyways, they, you know, they... This is why animation is great, because if you had a live action film and you were trying to do this live action, you would have to use the imagination somehow. Yeah. And it's just easier with animation to make a drawing and, and you know, do a little bit of a, like a dream sequence sort of transition. Yeah. And then you get into the the scene and you come back out of it yeah and, and and very quickly we get the information we need yeah and so it tells you all of that in that short amount of time and then so later when he's turned into a llama you're it, it's not a surprise so much and you know Kronk can't figure out which cup the potion is in and so then he tells her not to drink it Cusco drinks it she pours it into a plant he's pouring it like the angle the camera's at so it they looks- have to pretend to drink it so that the the ruse can be completed yeah and so, you know, uh, Kronk signals to Yzma, you know, don't drink it, poison, poison. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we get a close-up on, Kro- on Kronk doing his drinking of the drink. But it would only look like he was drinking it from directly at that angle because it's Right, and there's, they're down. zoomed in right to, and his big chin helps right here. Yeah. And his, his, lurps, his lips are sort of pursed a little bit, you know, like he's Laughing catching. thinking about it. Yeah. And it's hitting his <laughs> then they, shoulder. Then they pan out, and yeah, you see it hitting his shoulder. <laughs> it would, to anyone there, they'd be like, what is happening? And so then the, the plant <laughs> that Yzma ter- poured her drink into turns into a llama. Yeah. And then... Uh, That's that great touch that the animators exactly. put in. Exactly. And then, you know, so then he passes out, and then, he, and then she's all, now to dispose of the body. And then he gets up. He's like, okay. And he starts, he keeps talking. Yeah. And then... Um, He's slowly turning into a llama, and she's so confused. And she's 
hitting broccoli together and Kronk just is like she she keeps doing it. he's looking at her and then finally he holds up a bowl of broccoli he's like more broccoli <laughs> and it's like the way he says broccoli to me is so funny <laughs> yeah. i can't explain why and then he just walks up and hits him over the head really hard with a <laughs> doesn't he make a face to her like like looking for validation that that was the right move yeah yeah and then, there's actually a lot of good faces from Kronk in this scene so pay attention to his face next time you watch yeah because there's this point when she says he's supposed to be dead and then Kronk's like yeah weird yeah. and then you look at him and he's like shaking his head like, I just don't know what happened. But it's clear the vials got mixed up. So, um, you know, it's one of my favorite lines is when after he mixes up, he has to put poison in all the drinks. He comes back to the table and he says, how about that sky today? I mean, talk about blue. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that sky today? And talk about blue. Yeah. It's so <laughs> like, very so, good. Kronk. Yeah, yeah. She's like, yes. Kronk. Riveting. Riveting. <laughs> yeah. So there, that scene is like nonstop humor. It's like just so yeah. dense. The dialogue, everything that everyone says is basically a joke. I mean, it's just it just doesn't stop. And there's a point where he has to run to go get his spinach puffs and it pans out and you see the whole table and he's running with his arms stretched out towards the kitchen. It's just like every second of that scene is so good. Um, oh, uh, do you have another one right off the bat? Because I have one to go. And it's this the scene where... They're racing back to the the uh, what is it the, pa- the palace? Yeah, uh, to, you, you know they're tr- well. They're all trying to get to the lab, really. Is what oh yeah, to okay, get to. yeah. So everyone knows what's going on, and so it's a race back to the lab. To first, it shows the map. Yeah, so we get to see them like as they're running behind them is their trail. And well, it- first we see the map, and it's like dots indicating where both parties are, and then w- when it goes back to uh, Cusco and Pacha, the lines behind them are actually appearing on the ground and they look back and they're like what (laughs) what is happening it's this very like self-aware part of the movie because when they when they find because they i like when they do that sort of thing in in movies anybody but you you can definitely overdo it but they didn't do it no i think well they do it in this scene where because at one point um pacha and cusco have to they cut they have to go across a like a, a a what would you call it like a a big valley and they have to do it via rope but then they cut the rope so Kronk and Yzma can't follow. But then Kronk's like backpack in which pulls it. in which Yzma resides. Yeah, he's by running. The way. <laughs> and he pulls the he pulls this string and wings come out and they're flying and they're all like jubilant and like And by the way, the visual of him running is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he's got his knees up and his And his arms. waist is ba- is almost not even there. It's so small and, and narrow. And well, he's sixty six up- tall in the thirty two waist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so he um they're they're flying across this like cliffside and they're like almost as if they've caught them already. Isma's like got her hands out and Kronk's looking up yeah. with a thumbs up and then a lightning bolt strikes. <laughs> <laughs> and they both they're just turned to ash instantly. So then when when they arrive, uh, the, the self awareness comes in here as well, um, where you kind of get to step out of the film. And it doesn't take you out of it the way they do it. They. They show up, uh, Pacha yeah. and Cusco show up, and they're looking for the potion, and Yzma's behind, like, basically speaks looking behind Looking for them. this? Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's impossible. How did you beat us here? And she goes, uh, how, how did, did we beat them here, Kronk? <laughs> well, I don't know. By all accounts, it doesn't make Well, the thing sense. about that scene is that Kronk, he reaches off to his right and pulls down a map. A map. The map. <laughs> the map that, that we, we saw, saw earlier. He says, well, <laughs> he looks at it. I don't know. Beats me. It doesn't make sense. By all accounts, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so there's like, 
the map we saw like a picture of a lightning bolt and them falling down this thing and then you know it's so that that and we watched that panel and in the panel they bring up like well we had to find out a way that they could have beat Cusco and Pacha so how are we how are right because that was the, that was what they had was that they Isma was going to catch them yeah be ahead of them in yeah. their pursuit so this was a conflict to overcome in the film and then someone just suggested well what if they just don't know yeah <laughs> and it's like it's <laughs> for this movie it's perfect like it, it wouldn't have worked in any other film but in this one it well, works and you could even great. when I said before that self-awareness is good but not in like the whole movie in too much of it in the span of movies that Disney made, this being the only one with a lot, the appropriate amount of it, or any of it, really. I mean, yeah. any major amount of it that we can recall like this. The movie looking at itself. That, I'm taking that larger scale, and then this small bit, it's like they still used the appropriate amount. Yeah, it was perfect. It served its purpose well. So, yeah, and that's another great moment. with that, And it's got that musical number, that that sort of like running music. I don't even know what you would call it. It's like an upbeat, like... Just oh, instrumental. Bum, bum, yeah, it's the bum, score. Bum, it's like a jazzy sort of scene. That is great. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that really stands out in terms of, you know, a great, great scene. I mean, the the shoulder angels. And oh, shoulder, yeah. Shoulder whatever. Yeah, shoulder. My shoulder angel. My shoulder angel. Yeah. The, it, it, he instantly, is. he's not like confused. He's instantly just like, oh, this is what's oh, happening. Oh, yeah, I do love this scene a lot. <laughs> yeah. The, angels the, first, and the angel I, and the devil. The devil really has a funny one. Okay, well, well let's step back because he has to uh, take him out of town and finish the job. So he comes down the steps and he's doing his own theme music. And then well, when, first they have to have dessert before he leaves. Yeah, well, and a quick cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there, but my favorite part as a kid was, and this is makes sense that it would be fun. It's just so funny. He's going and he doesn't encounter anyone, but he's like, he, he's making all these theme music songs and he goes up against the wall. Well, and we hear the narration from Cusco. And Cusco's like, oh my, he's, he's making his own theme music. He's, he's like big, dumb, and tone deaf. <laughs> and then, so he goes up against the wall and because the, these people are walking by, he goes, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then when they pass, he goes, dun, 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 dun. so it's perfectly yeah. funny uh, for the moment. And it's just so, it, he's like taking it super serious. Like he does everything. And then when he dumps the body, you know, mission accomplished. But then the shoulder angel shows up. It's a great yeah. scene. And as a kid, I loved it because the, the well, devil. Well, first the devil shows up. No, it's it's the shoulder angel first. Oh, wait. Yeah, because then the uh, the angel shows up, but has it, it's getting its hair done. No, that's later. That's that's oh, later it comes in, back. The, in the yes no it's actually the shoulder angel first because he's like you're just gonna you're just gonna leave him there are you yeah, and okay, then okay. that's when he shows up then the devil shows up and he's like he wants to lead you down the path of righteousness I want to lead you down the path that rocks I remember that from as being a kid <laughs> yeah. too yeah the the funniest part to me was when the the devil goes down I'll give you three good reasons why you shouldn't listen to that guy you no know, why you should just walk away there you go <laughs> and then he's like he's like. The funniest part, of course, is where he's like, number two, look what I can do. And then he does like it's a like, one-handed. Number one, look at that guy. He's got that sissy stringy thingy. And he's the like, angel's like. It's a harp. He's like, oh, yeah. have been through that, this. It's, oh, yeah, it's a he's robe. like, that's a harp. He's wearing a dress. And, and then that's got, a dress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he does the one-handed push-up. <laughs> robe. And then he does yeah. the one-handed push-up and he's like. What does that have to do with. He's uh, like, no, no. He's got a point. And the funniest <laughs> thing is when the, the, the devil does, again, subtleties, when the devil does the push-up, he goes, ha, ha, ha! <laughs> he laughs yeah. all, like, maniacally. Anyways. Sorry if that broke anyone's ears. Anyways. So, 
the the devil on the shoulder they revisit that later very fun and it, it's one of those things that it plays very well and then when Isma's watching him talk to his his angel shoulder angel and shoulder devil she's all like what what is happening again the, the movie kind of looking at itself like and that's when the turn happens and, yeah and you know Kronk's no longer loyal to her basically so yeah what yeah. else in terms of scenes yeah, if there's any, I mean, we've basically done. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we've covered far too much as it is uh, from the existing film. I, I will say, I really like in the Cusco sort of Pacha relationship. The, it, when I watched it this time, I tried to pay attention to, you know, they have the scene where you know Cusco agrees to not bulldoze his home, and then when they're almost there, the bridge collapses, and then he reveals that he was always going to bulldoze his home anyway. And well, right. So Pacha, they're going across this bridge and Pacha falls through, but he's caught by some of the rope that's still attached to the bridge. So he's just hanging underneath this suspension bridge. And and Cusco, still a llama, is up there and he reneges on his end of the deal. Yeah, he admits that he was always just going to have Pacha imprisoned for life. Yeah. And um, so then he's just doing his thing, I don't know, gloating almost at Pacha. And then um, yeah, Cusco falls through into the same position as Pacha. Yeah. And then the bridge collapses eventually, and they have to get their way out. And when they emerge from that, Cusco then says Pacha. And from there on out, things start to turn a little bit. There's another fallout, but ultimately, he learns sort of his lesson. And at the end of the movie, he still builds a summer home, but it's like basically a little shack. And the water slide that they use is really just like a a waterfall, like a small waterfall. So they, he doesn't build a huge water slide or big home. He just builds a little shack that's like right next to Pacha's and there. It's like his, his, that's like his new family. So yeah, it's a good, I think it's a good message in the end. And it's, it, aside from the whole Kronk Yzma dynamic, which is great, that part of the film's great too. I, I think that the, the whole like, you know, Pacha family man teaching Cusco right from wrong. And it, it, it works. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's really interesting that there are so few characters in this film. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a bunch of bit people. I mean, if you count Pacha's family, they're only in it for a few minutes. But they're they're funny, and they have they well, serve I, their I count purpose. them, and then the four main main characters yeah. of the two storylines You don't that get we tied follow. to a lot of other characters in this movie. Did we know the names of any other characters? I don't even know the names of the kids and the mom. I know they say it at some point. I can't remember it, so no. We don't, yeah. we don't ever find out the name of even the old man, who I guess would be the next biggest character. Yeah. So, um, what do you think this movie, we've talked about this before and we'll talk about it now, but we've discussed it. Representation in Disney parks. What would we like to see? Well, have we seen anything before? No. Not anything? I just think that there could be something. You know, what's interesting is that D23 with all the cosplay going around, I saw a fair number of Cusco's, a couple of Kronk's and Yzma's too. Yeah. So I actually like to see that kind of thing. In my other favorite movie, Sword in the Stone, I saw a number of Merlins. I saw the Merlin when he goes to Bermuda. Oh, I like. That. I want to be that Mer- Merlin sometime. He's wearing the like colored, multicolored striped shirt, the uh, sort of swim trunks, and then the sneakers, and he's got a hat on with sunglasses and the big white beard. And then uh, Mad Madam Mim, I saw those a lot too. Um, so that's when I saw some Emperor's New Groove representation in the parks. Pins. I'm more even yeah that's what we have and we don't even get characters but I would like to see and we discussed this the the real location location is the issue here 
Because I think we both agree this would be a good idea. I think we dis maybe not disagree, but we don't see necessarily eye to eye on the location. But Mudka's meat hut needs to happen. I don't even know if it's been discussed, but well, how could we know? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm wondering if it's something I've ever thought of doing. Like if it's ever even possible. But so where would you put it? I would put it in Disneyland's Adventureland. This might sound to people like. Uh, I mean, this might just set people off, but I would just rip out Bengal Barbecue and put it there. Hmm. People love that place, but to me, it's just a... If they didn't put in Tropical Hideaway, they could have put it there. Yeah, I, I do enjoy Tropical Hideaway, though. I've yet to try it, it. I'm looking forward to trying it, actually. Yeah, I, I would say you could put it in the Tarzan area. Like, the tree, uh, like not well, where the, don't rip out the treehouse, but the little area that's at the exit, you could put it there. And this is why I want to put it in Animal Kingdom. Either yeah. that or put it over you wouldn't put it here but you could the the space at least up until recently i think was available for the former rainforest cafe mm. um but i don't yeah, think that would be good anyway because it's too disney for downtown disney restaurants yeah but animal kingdom is perfect for it there's plenty of space i don't know where in animal kingdom you would put it but i think that it would fit very well there what about one of the pavilions in epcot is there any that it would match um i don't i don't think so they have the Mexican pavilion. Mm, that doesn't work. I mean, if and they this had... This is a Peruvian Yeah, and they're not going to build the Peru area. So I guess that doesn't work. Animal Kingdom. Animal it, Kingdom seems good. Well, what, I, I would love to see it in Disneyland's Adventureland, by the way. I just don't think that if it ever happened, that would be the likely place for it. I see. Yeah, practic- practically speaking, I, I don't think it is either, but that's where I would like to see it in an ideal And of world. course, they can always just get rid of Indiana Jones if it doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah, just rip, just rip that out. Right, No right. one likes that, right? It's, a, it's basically a, it's, it's a piece it of It breaks junk. down all the time. It's dark a lot of the time, you know. You, yeah. People are screaming. It's not that much fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's plan B. Um, and then uh, this is one that people talk about a lot, just a ride. Like, and theme it after, I mean, this one is, this one's been beaten to death, but theme it after the roller coaster ride that Yzma and Kronk take to get into the the secret lab. See, I don't know what the story would be though, because that that little ride is about a few seconds. Oh, you just you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean you can just increase that. I mean, it, it doesn't what, have to be a minute and a half. Well, that's how minutes? long roller. That's a long journey. time though. Like to take a five second bit from one scene and then draw it out. Well, what in if some you made way. it like a dark ride in the beginning? But like a longer, like a, like more. Yeah, you know what? That's a good idea. You could have the story, the whole story of the film be uh, captured within the attraction, but there'd be maybe one highlight of the film, or rather the attraction, which is that part of the film where they have the roller coaster scene, or maybe something about it. Maybe that's where your picture is taken. Well, like, I'm thinking like a Splash Mountain style. So it's like a lot of story around it, and then there's like a, there's like a a couple fast moments, maybe one or two. And, but, yeah, and that's where you get your picture there too. So I think that would that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, I let's, think that'd be cool. Uh, let's get working on that. We will uh, write it up and send it in immediately. I mean, but again, that's something that people say all the time, and maybe not like in that not detail. That they'll, not that they'll write it up and send it in. No, that, no. that, that <laughs> okay. that's something that should be built. They do? I guess they do. Yeah, that's you're right. a common one I hear or see on social media all the time. Like, tell me why there isn't a. a you know an emperor's new groove ride you just it'd be cool you could build like that palace and stuff where would that go where would be a good place for that i can't think anywhere in disneyland where that would fit um it would almost have to be in like animal kingdom or or you could put it in magic kingdom probably somewhere i don't know that i'm not as familiar with the construction of that park 
that's the thing is I don't know that you really could. The best you could hope for is to do a, a force perspective thing with the the, uh, the palace mm. and then have some of the attraction be underground somehow. I don't know how you would work the roller coaster, but yeah. that would allow you to not have to go too high vertically and potentially influence other theming from from the same land or adjacent lands where you all of a sudden see this big... Yeah this big icon that's a big thing for people is making sure that you know when you're in fantasy land you can't see space mountain or whatever um yeah i don't know i'm i'm trying to think of uh, of where it could go anyways as far as like park res- representation that's those are the things that we'd like to see yeah. and i think that's about it i mean you don't see characters you don't see as much merchandise um maybe some cool pins and, and stuff like that would be cool uh, you know what not parks related but we could use it in the parks on halloween is more costumes out there for these characters yeah people come up with them but i think they have they like know people or they are the kind of people that can put together something yeah fairly easily so i just i envy that i guess and i want i want it to be easier to go as kronk or Cusco or whoever pacha ne- next year i think is the year where i go as as kronk and my daughter peyton goes as yzma i think that's the year uh, either lab coat wearing or we were going to do that this year and I was going to be the old man who threw off the groove. Well, you you were you lost enthusiasm because you couldn't quite find the correct costume for it. Right, I would have had to piece together a bunch of different items. Yeah, we'll do it someday. That's the goal. Um, okay, so I mean, we've kind of we kind of covered the whole film. We got a little excited, so uh, we were all over the place. But you know, I. It, well, we didn't really cover, there was a little bit, of, Sting stuck around for the whole film, yeah. but his songs, when they switched over to the different story, were axed. Yeah, they were gone. And so he he wasn't, he was kind of bitter about it a little bit. Seemed like, yeah. Um, but it's kind of hard to tell based on this documentary, which by the way, is called The Sweatbox. It's not, it's not officially released, it's just on YouTube right now, so it may not be there when you check it out. But it was filmed by uh, Sting's wife, and for whatever reason, Disney didn't want it released. But regardless, you see Sting in throughout the film and throughout the course of the beginning being enthusiastic till the end being sort of... He's yeah, okay, he's basically I, okay with what happened. But He, he uh, definitely lost enthusiasm at the end. And how could you not? You know, this whole thing took like six a, years to make. Yeah. And when, it, when his songs got axed, I think he did take another project just in his own musical career. And so he couldn't put as much effort into this thing. And so it's easy to understand how he wouldn't be as into it once it flipped over to this revamp of the story. Yeah, well, and he didn't he just, they just didn't have as much room for his songs with the the new storyline. Um so if you haven't checked for whatever reason you've never seen this movie, go check it out. It's not on Netflix anymore, but uh I'm sure you can find it on Amazon or something. It's great. I mean, it really really is one of my favorites. It's super underrated. It does have a cult following now, but if you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, and check out those, you can find the documentary on YouTube if you're interested. You can also find the, the 15th anniversary panel. Was it 15 years? Yeah. 15th anniversary panels on YouTube as well. And that, that's pretty enlightening. Um, you know, a lot of people responsible for, for the story are there talking about their experience. It's only about, I think a half hour. So it's, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, continue to, uh, to watch this film and, and let's get, uh, Let's get a groundswell for it because we love it. And, and please forgive us if we gave too many quotes from this film. <laughs> yeah. It's it was, just we, we do it all the time, and it's it's a lot of fun too, frankly. Yeah. We, well, impersonating Kronk, there's there's few things that give me as much joy. And when you've got a deeper voice, it's it's you feel like you're closer to it. Yeah. So it's more fun to do, I think. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, forgive us if we got a little too excited, but we love the film. So you, hopefully our enthusiasm came through. I'm sure it did. 
All right, guys. Well, thanks as always for joining us. Make sure to uh, hit that subscribe button, rate and review the podcast as well, and just let us know uh, what you think. Give us some feedback, all right? And we recently put up a Facebook page. Mm, yeah, also, that, I forgot. so check that out. Um, like it. I don't know how you interact with it from you the can other. Follow end. it. Yeah, follow it. And so we'll be posting a lot of the stuff we post on Instagram up there, but also. Uh, links to our blogs and everything and uh trying to get out to more platforms so if you're more of a facebook user get get over there and check it out okay it's the the talking llamas podcast page yep uh check it out okay guys um thanks a lot for joining us uh we will see you again next week see you later to stay in touch with the show Follow us on Instagram at Talking Llamas Podcast. To support the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or reach out to us on social media. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great week.